Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, uh, asking receives, you're with me. And those who keep on seeking find and to him who keeps on knocking the door we open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? But if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit... To those who ask and continue to ask him. I chose that translation because I love how they've, they've translated it right out of the Greek because that word is an imperative, which means to ask and keep on asking. It means to keep going. And I just, I just love that because sometimes we think, oh, I asked for the Holy Spirit once. Like even Peter in the Bible gets filled more than once. Come on, people. We need to press in for more. If you've had some of him, you can have more of him. You can ask and keep on asking. And Jesus says that this is a good gift. If we're asking him for a good gift, he's not going to give us something bad. We can trust that. We can trust his word. You don't have to trust me. And I don't care. Like this might be the first time that we inter interacted. That's okay. But you can trust. These are red letter words from the Bible. This is timeless truth from the word. We have to trust that the Holy Spirit's a good gift from our good Father who wants to give us good things. Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and about the Trinity, which I mentioned a few minutes ago. This passage um, that I'm going to read next comes from the Gospel of John. It's happening right before Jesus is crucified, kind of in those last days. This is one of the things that he teaches. And so I think if it's happening in the last days, we should maybe tune in a little and listen. What is, what is he saying? What's the heart behind what he's saying? You should really read all of John chapter 14 to 16 because it's just so good. But uh, John uh, 14 verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To know me is to know my Father too. John 14, 12 says, the person believing in me will do the same miracles that I do because I go to be with my Father. And we're going to come back to that. Um, but just throw this one up. Loving me empowers you to keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you like a friend, just like me. He will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside of you. Jesus says, I'm going back to the Father, so you're going to do greater things than I do because he glorifies the Father when our prayers are answered. And the Father is going to send us a helper, who's be the Spirit, who's going to remind us of what Jesus said, because Jesus is going back to the Father, who's sending the Spirit, who's going to live with us and remind us. Do you guys get the picture? It's just this beautiful weaving in of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And at this time in history, uh, Jesus was actually saying these words when he was walking on earth. So he was God in flesh, walking on earth, and then he said, you know, so, so he's, like, he's doing miracles. He's healing people, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, feeding the 5,000 with the little boy lunch the stuff was happening the Jesus stuff all of it and he says it's better that I go away because if I go away I'm going to send the helper the Holy Spirit so Jesus going back to the father was better for us because we get the Holy Spirit that is an amazing promise and gift from Jesus there are some things in life I can live without the Holy Spirit is not one of them I'm not willing to do it so the Holy Spirit is not a supplement to your life. 
The Holy Spirit is the source of your life. He's not an add-on. He is not a theological preference. He's not something that you get to pick and choose. He's the greatest gift that Jesus ever gave us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of me inside of you, the very same spirit. That is the power that we have access to because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. It was for our salvation, and then it was so that we could live a life full of power because the world out there needs to see it. The word spirit's used in the Bible over 800 times. Thank you. No, no, don't, 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 don't He's such a gift. I just, wait for the one Jesus has for you. Don't settle for anything else. That's not in my notes. That's just like, but it's gospel to me. <laughs> the picture of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, he, he's spoken about, uh, the word spirit appears 800 times. So we should maybe know what it's talking about. In the Old Testament, um, that can go up there, uh, was ruach, meaning a violent exhalation, a blast of breath, or a strong wind. In the New Testament, it's the word pneuma, meaning breath or wind, a current or a strong breeze. So both of these carry a sense of force, active living energy that blows life in to, make, uh, to bring life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He breathes life into us. So no matter what your past experience or maybe even your current experience with the Holy Spirit, does anybody feel like they need a breath of fresh air? today? Does anybody feel like they need just new life breathed into you? Maybe stuck in the doldrums of just doing life day to day, wishing that someone somewhere would just come and blow some wind in my sails once again. Get out of the doldrums, new passion and new vision, a strength to get through the season, strength to do what Jesus has called us to do. It's not just a supplement. It's not an add-on. It's a source. And I remember when this breath first came into my life. It was in my very first weeks here at this church, and I signed up for the Bible Fellowship Youth Mission Force Summer Retreat with none other than Christopher Jordan. Now they go to a nice camp with, like, running water. We went to the bush, and I loved it. It's a, uh, Foursquare owns a rustic cabin in the middle of literally nowhere. And I, I signed up. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't know anybody. The ride up was extremely taxing and long. We got there and I looked around. I thought this is going to be the longest week of my life. But something happened to me there. There's no electricity. Nobody convincing me with smooth keys of what I was about to decide. But Chris talked about the Holy Spirit. And I decided I wanted to be passionate about this Jesus thing. That's what I called it, this Jesus thing. So I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I really see it that I had two different lives. My before camp experience and my after camp experience. I grew up in church. I could quote you the songs. I could do your flannel graph for you. And I probably did. And I, when I realized that I could tap into actual life, something inside of me changed. That's why, why camp is so important. Daniel and Katie are going to take your kids, your punk kids, up to camp for a week. Y'all need to Pray, nay, intercede for them. It is the hardest week of their year. 
Just, just so you know. And they're going to run hard. They're going to play hard. They're going to eat lots. They're going to have so much sugar that it's going to make the kids sick. And then, then they're going to come into the chapel. And then the band's going to get up. And they're going to begin to worship. And I don't know what it is. I think it's because at camp we, we, we prepare and then we take ourselves apart for a season where we're saying, God, I really want to see you. And God shows up like faithfully, faithfully, faithfully. See, those kids are going to worship Jesus. And maybe some of those ones who were there just because it was fun or because their friend dragged them along or because their mama tried to pay for it. That was me. My parents were like, we'll do anything. Do you want to go to camp? Do you want to go on a retreat, a, a gleaning trip? Like, and they, were, they were desperate because I was dead. My no, you don't understand. My life was dead. The friends that I had in that season, like the next year I found out, they, like I was in grade 8. They were sleeping around. They were doing so much pot that even the potheads didn't want to hang out with them. My one friend was concerned that she was pregnant from a guy that she met at a party. Like, like just, she, she woke up, she didn't know where she was, and she wasn't sure what exactly had happened. That was my friend group. Like, I, was, I wasn't doing that yet. But maybe if I had stayed, like, God called me out of something See, the Holy Spirit calls us out of something and then into something. He doesn't just save us. He actually wants us to do more. So I ended up coming to this school, and I felt really out of place. I was totally the one punk kid and a bunch of preppies. But Jesus got a hold of my heart, and the people in this congregation discipled me. And that's what we have the opportunity to do for these kids when they meet the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just a moment. He sets them up for a new life. The very best thing, <clears throat> the very best thing I've ever watched or ever experienced of any of my time in, in youth ministry or any ministry for that matter is when, when people experience the reality of God for themselves. They learn to hear that the, they, they learn that the Holy Spirit speaks to them, that Jesus has a plan for, for their life and it gets personal because all the stuff of ministry is going to fade away. All the trends and the lights and the, but if kids know him personally, watch out. They know him personally. We're gonna, they're they're going to do okay, and that's not just for them. That's not just for kids. That's, that's for us in our everyday life. We need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit makes me a better wife. The Holy Spirit makes me a better mom. The Holy Spirit makes me a better church attender. Come on. I don't know. There's there's other stuff, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> He is, okay, when, when we walk with the Holy Spirit, we walk in a steadfast trust that what is going on around us is not going to shake what is in us. He's such a wonderful, wonderful source. Holy Spirit's not just a supplement. He's the source of your life. He's the Trinity, three in one. And from the time when I encountered the Holy Spirit, like, he walked with me in every season. And not, not just in the, the powerful moments at the altar. Like, in moments when I really needed him. Like, in moments when I didn't have any friends, so he was my friend. Or in moments when I needed leadership and direction, and he took me aside and would lead and direct me. In moments when all my other friends were getting married and having babies, and I was, like, hanging out in the bush with, with a bunch of high schoolers. I'm like, God, can you feel even this? Even this can you fill. There's nothing that he cannot fill. He's so, whatever you need, he's the answer. 
And our world needs this. Our world desperately, desperately needs this. A God who's alive and a God who speaks. A God who cares about what we're walking through. I watched something on Netflix the other day. It really gripped my heart. Has anybody seen that uh, Netflix show? It's called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Anybody else seen that? It's with Jerry Seinfeld. I grew up watching Seinfeld and eating craft dinner like any self-respecting North American should. <laughs> Come on. It was a good childhood. Um, but uh, the constant run of jokes between me and my brothers are usually Festivus-based, and Praxis just doesn't understand because when English is your second language, the sarcastic situational, situational humor doesn't often translate. So to him, it's just annoying, and to us, we think it's really funny. Anyways, I enjoy watching comedians in cars getting coffee, and the other day I was watching one with Ellen. And she was talking about how she first got into comedy. I wasn't paying much attention to this show, but I heard something. I stopped. Had to rewind it and, and watch it again. I just felt something in my heart like a brokenness. Lo a longing for a different way. And here's, here's a story that she was telling. A, a, an event happened that absolutely changed her life. Someone she cared about was killed in a car crash 23 years a, 23 years old, killed in a car accident, and Ellen thought about it and wondered, why is this person, you know, gone? What if we could pick up the phone and call God and ask these questions and have a conversation? And this is, this is what she said. She said, because people pray all the time. But wouldn't it be amazing if you could have a connection? I had to rewind it and watch it again. Maybe one more time. She started writing. She's telling the story. She started writing. At first, she didn't mean for it to be funny. She was just processing the event kind of through journaling. And she wrote, you know, that if she were to call God up on the phone, that the phone would ring for a really long time because it's a big place. And then onward Christian soldiers would be playing. She realized it wasn't a tape. It was actually live. She would go on to talk about how the joke would be, and it, it, was, it was clever. I found the, the original clip to see it from the Johnny Carson show, like back, I don't know how far back. She had a mullet, that's how far back. Um, but that, uh, that was the beginning of her career. That bit, that God is unreachable, and he doesn't care about the stuff in my life. That's what started her career. My heart broke. So we have access to a God who speaks to the situations. No matter how broken our lives can look, he speaks. See, Holy Spirit is our comfort. That's one of the names that Jesus gives him. I will send you another helper, a comforter. See, the Greek word is actually parakletos, which means the one who has been called to our side. This could be a comforter. Someone who consoles or a defense attorney. The idea behind the original use of this word would be as if you were trying to pick up a really long piece of wood. And somebody came along the other side and it reminded me of those guys at Ikea. This is the picture he gives us of the Holy Spirit. When you can't lift it alone. It's not the recommended method. 
when you can't lift it alone, Holy Spirit comes up alongside of you and helps you to carry it. And I think that's a good answer for the times when we wish that he would just take it and instead he comes along and just begins to carry it. And there's times when we say, God, just take it from me. But even Jesus didn't get the thing taken from me. He said, if, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But yet not my will, but yours be done in the midst of his anguish. They didn't make it easy. And I, I, I felt like this is one of the most critical aspects of the character of the Holy Spirit that we misjudge and miss out on. Because if you have lived any number of days on this earth, the rose-colored glasses got shattered. And you woke up one day to a day that seemed normal, only to be sideswiped by something that kicked you in the gut so hard you thought you wouldn't get up again. There's been times when the pain in my heart was so overwhelming, and yet when I pressed in to his peace, his peace would overwhelm me when there's no reason to have peace, and yet Prince of Peace reigns. Oftentimes, when we need comfort, we can turn and blame the one who is comfort for the reality of our situation instead of asking him to comfort us in the midst of it. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is comfort. And when we blame him, we cannot run to him. And if we cannot run to him, he cannot comfort us. And when we blame him, we question his character. I don't have the answers why everything happens, but I do know that in the midst of the most difficult situations that have happened in my life, running to him, running to comfort, instead of away from, away from comfort was the beginning of healing in my life. His character never changes, and we need to be sure of that. I love the song that David was singing, and that's David's song. He won't want you to know, but it's David's song because when things pour out from David's heart, it's always so beautiful. He said, I cast all my cares on you because I know he cares for me in the fiery furnace and through the waters. And when the mountain needs to be removed, I cast all my cares on you. And even that phrase, the fiery furnace, I love when that story is it's in the Old Testament. And, and these guys, they were going into the furnace because they were told to bow to a guy who wasn't good. And they're like, well, only bow to God. And my God can save me. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. And yet we've lost that resolve in our hearts where we say, even if the mountain doesn't move, I won't. I won't. He is our source. As I was preparing, I felt like there was someone, and maybe, maybe likely more than, than just one, who's been blaming God for the circumstances in your life instead of asking God to comfort. God's actually wanting to comfort you in the midst of that situation. And I felt like he said turning back to him is not going to alter the reality of the situation, but it's going to alter the the future outcome of your life because running from him will wound you more than you know. It will wreck you more than you know because the enemy does not play fair. And those doubts and those whispers and those lies that he tries to speak to you, they are never fair. They are lies. And he wants to get you while you're down. 
When the enemy sees a crack in your life, he's going for that crack. He doesn't play fair. See, when we turn from comfort, we can try to find comfort in other things that were not meant to comfort us. When we, when we turn from comfort, we can turn to other things. You fill in whatever that means for you. It means something different for all of us. But we turn to the other things to find comfort. Things that were never meant to comfort us. And we allow sin that we would have never allowed in. It's because we're broken, though. But he is comfort. We can't, we can't live there. We have to invite him in. He's a source of comfort. I want to transition and do just a quick, quick bit of teaching before we do some application. Like, how do I hear God? You're talking about all this stuff, but how do I hear God? In case you missed it, I hope you understand from what I'm sharing that I believe you already have. You already have. But I want to just give you some quick tools that we can use to turn our ears into the voice of God. Um, the Bible is full of scriptures about God talking. It's so good. Um, first, Isaiah 30, verse 21. I think I have a slide for that one, Isaiah 30, 21. It says, your ears shall hear. That's okay. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or you turn to the left. I think I found my Google Maps problem right here. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or the left hand. Jeremiah 29 verses 12 to 13 says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. When you feel like he's not hearing those prayers that you've been praying a long time. But I, I prayed for this before. I, it's been, when you call to me, I will listen. And you will seek me when you find me, when you search for me with all of your heart. Sometimes we have an issue and God wants to get a hold of our heart. We're trying to like take my issue to, and he's like, I just, I actually just want your heart. And when you have, when he has your heart, he begins to order the other things in your life. Come on. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now we can put out this, the one that had like the bunch of stuff. Yeah. So here's just some, just some basic hearing God tools. Number one, scripture. Holy Spirit speaks Bible. If you think you're not hearing him, get out your word. If you feel like you haven't had a word for a long time, I'd ask how dusty is your Bible. So get out your Bible. Then write out verses that are standing out to you. You're reading and something jumps off the page. That's Holy Spirit. There he is. You're already hearing him. And then ask questions. I ask questions all of the time. Like, I don't know. God, what, what word of encouragement do I need right now in my life? Who in my life needs a word of encouragement? Yeah? This issue with praxis, should I bring it up now or you want me to wait? 
okay, you want me to wait? Oh, you're going to deal with it. Oh, good. Thank God. I mean, thank you. I mean, <sighs> this person that's been on my heart for a long time, and I just, I just, it's almost like a nagging. What, what is it about them? And, and then God will begin to lead you to pray for that person. And we can, we can ask God questions for wisdom in different situations in our lives. And then, because we're not weird, we write, I write it, I have 15 years at least worth of journals. Like, I'm not just telling you something that I read on a blog about how to better your life yesterday. Like, this is tried and true in my life. So I write down the answers of what I feel God is saying, and then I go back and I read it again, because if it doesn't line up with the word, then I throw it out, and sometimes I get it wrong, and that's okay, because I'm learning to hear God's voice. When I have a word for somebody else, I don't say, Daniel, thus saith the Lord. I say, hey, I was praying, and I kind of felt this. What does this mean to you? Does this fit? And then I wait, and I actually ask for a response because I want to learn how to hear him better. We don't get it right every time. That's okay because we're learning. But if you want to preface it with like, thus saith the Lord, then that's, people are being weird. That then, then you're being weird, okay? I'm all over in my notes, sorry. Oh, right. <laughs> I should be following that one on the screen. Then we check it. And if it's something like about the future or something a little bit more intense, I go and I ask somebody, like, Pastor Shanda, what do you think about this? Not everybody should go to her because that would be really annoying. But find somebody in your life that you trust, who you know hears God better than you. They don't have to hear him the best, just better than you. And then you can check it and, and see, does this, does this sound right? Does it sound like God is what, what God is wanting to say? And it's something that we did one time. I was on a mission trip to Costa Rica, and we, I did this, not because we were... Well, maybe we watched a teaching about it. There it was. Um, but I asked every day for the whole month we were there, Holy Spirit, what's your encouraging word for me today? Because when I feel encouraged, then I'm better at encouraging other people. Like, fill up your well, people. Your well first. The oxygen mask on you before the baby or this other person who can't do it for themselves. Um, there are other voices and we need to learn to discern other voices. There's your own thoughts or lies from the enemy or negative words from people in your life. And as you begin to study the scripture, the real thing, see when you are learning to counterfeit money, not that I know how to do this, but if I was a criminal, when, when, um, let's backtrack that one, one, one step. When people are learning to spot counterfeit money, there you go. Uh, when people are learning to spot counterfeit money, they study the real thing. The real thing, the real thing, the real thing, the real thing. Oh, that's a fake. Oh, the real thing, the real thing, the real thing. That's a fake. Because when you know the real thing, the fake becomes obvious. And if you were a counterfeiter, if that's a word, would you take time uh, making nickels? Would you take time making quarters? Pennies are obviously off of the table, even in Canada, uh, but would you take time making those? No, you would make something that has more value. You counterfeit things that have value. The Holy Spirit in our lives has value and the enemy has made counterfeits, shows up in places like the new age, and then all of a sudden we get scared thinking, oh no, hearing God's voice. Oh no, having a dream that might mean something, a vision or, or an angel, we think, oh, that's, that's, that's bad. No, it, it has value. The enemy knows if we get this, we begin to access this or we change in our lives and in our homes. We begin to hear God's voice. We need the Holy Spirit. He's not just a supplement. He's the 
the source. Thank you for people in the front row. He speaks to us in many different ways. The best way that I can describe it is like a peace that I feel about something when it's really him. So not, I don't hear an audible voice. I just wanna give just a couple practical things because sometimes we walk out and we're like, uh, what? I don't know. So uh, it's not, not like a burning bush. It's more like a gut feeling. Or when you have a word for somebody else, it kind of nags you until you share it. Some of you have felt that one. Or a whisper in my spirit, a knowing on the inside. And usually it sounds too smart or too specific to have been from me. <laughs> we need to get this because we're meant to live differently than we are. We're meant to live from a source that's beyond us filled with something more than ourselves and our best efforts. We need this for our families. We need this for our kids. We need this for our health. We need this for the direction in our lives. Uh, we need this for our church. We need this for our city. We need this for our neighborhoods. Um, I saw an illustration the other day. It is. It's my glove. Uh, it said, your life is like a glove. We attempt to think we can do it kind of on our own somehow make it all work without the Holy Spirit filling our lives. I didn't get all the fingers in there, but we wonder why we have so much anxiety and worry and fear because we try to do life without him in every aspect of our lives. He's not a theological preference. It's a reality of Christ in us. We're going to do some application, but first things first, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to give an opportunity for that. Because all this hinges on our acceptance of his sacrifice for us. So just with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to ask the question, is there anyone here today that would say, I would like to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life? And just slip up your hand. Give one more chance. If you would say that I need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, just slip up your hand. No, nobody's looking around. Then we just admit that we're a sinner in need of a Savior and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God and rose from the dead and confess with your mouth that he's the Lord of our lives. So now what do I want you to do with, with all of this, all of this stuff that we talked about? The word in the ancient Greek that Jesus uses in John chapter 14 for helper and comforter is, uh, and for spirit is the word paraclete. In the modern Greek, the word paraklo actually means please. And I thought that was so fitting. See, when we admit that we don't have life altogether, when we admit that we're not always okay, we can begin to ask him, please, I need help. Be helper. Be paraclete. When we admit our need, he has something to fill. So here's what I want us to do. Again, I just want everybody just to just bow your heads and just to, just to help you focus. And I just want to ask you, what is one situation that you would say, Holy Spirit, please? 
Holy Spirit, I need help in this situation, in this hurt, in this circumstance. God, I need wisdom here or guidance here or comfort like we've talked about so much today. Maybe for a friend or maybe you need a word. He is paraclete. He is helper, counselor, and comfort. And we're just going to invite him into that area. I just want to invite everybody to stand as we press in for this, this next part. But if you would say, I just need a breath of fresh air. The Holy Spirit is in you, but when we ask, then the Holy Spirit comes upon us. See, Peter is actually filled with the Spirit a number of times in Acts, and it gave him new boldness. Um, so if you need a refreshing from the Holy Spirit, just, just extend your hands as we pray. Say, Holy Spirit, I just, I need you to come. I invite a breath of fresh air. Help me to rely on you. Show me more of yourself. I invite you. Just a posture of inviting him. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Maybe ask him, is there something in the way that's stopping me from hearing your voice? Sometimes he'll bring up an area of maybe disobedience. And see, conviction is a, is a good thing. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from the enemy. So when we feel bad about stuff, we run from him. But the Holy Spirit brings up stuff, convicts us of things that we can, we can just surrender those things and ask for forgiveness so that refreshing can come in his presence. So he wants to release a new refreshing. He wants to release fresh breath on us, his servants, as we walk all the things that we need to walk in life. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We invite you to come and fill every area of our lives and of our hearts. We're going to close out in a song in just one second, but I want us to do one, one more exercise. Stay with me. See, the reason that we have the Holy Spirit is not just for us. It's great when we get free and we find healing, but the Holy Spirit is so that we can have an impact in the world. So he speaks. I wish that I could have an entire session on, on getting encouraging words for other people, but we're just gonna get a little bit of it right now. So what I want us to do is just ask the Holy Spirit, who in my world needs encouragement today? A word of encouragement. Who in my world needs a word of encouragement today? Just close your eyes and I just believe he's going to speak to you. Maybe a scripture, uh, for a, a person that it's for. He'll maybe give you a picture. Maybe a monetary amount to give them that, that's going to encourage them. And now if you've had somebody and something come to your mind, just, just slip your hand up like just so I can see. 
Who in my life needs a word of encouragement? See, because you have access to the Holy Spirit who speaks to people. And when, when we begin to activate it for other people and not just ourselves, and his love begins to flow through us, we're going to actually change the world. So I want you, if you didn't get a name, I want you to press in and ask him, God, who do you have a word for today? Who can I encourage today? These aren't, I'm not, these are not words of correction. There's not words of like, you should do, no. I'm just like, God, who's your encouraging word for today? Who do you want me to build up today? How many people got a, a name? Maybe somebody they need to encourage today. The rest of you, I'm challenging you, press in. And ask him, who can I encourage today? Who can I encourage today? Because you hear him. Sorry if I sounded mean. I didn't mean to sound mean. I want, like, I want you to get it. Like, you have access to a source that brings life to his people. That's, that's the blessing that we get to be. And you do hear him. And when you share a word with somebody else, you say, I just felt like God wanted me to encourage you in this. And they're like, oh, that's what I needed. And they're encouraged. And they're like, oh, I do hear him. It's like a testing ground in a safe place. That's why I'm like, please do, do this. Experience this. His voice is so good and his friendship is so close. So I want to leave you with this closing prayer. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.